All right, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Annalise Show. I am your host, Annalise Garcia, and today we have a fantastic show for you guys. We've got uh, for an interview today, Lee Camp, who is an author, political commentator, host of Redacted Tonight, and co-host of Government Secrets with Graham Elwood. Lee, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be able to have you on. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I want to jump right in. Um, I've been wanting to talk to you for a while because of several reasons. And we're going to get into the censorship that you and Graham experienced on government secrets and all that. But first, I wanted, I mean, I think most of our audience knows who you are and loves you, but I wanted to give those who don't an opportunity to get to know a little bit about you. So could you tell us a little bit about, you know, your background and what got you interested in politics in the first place? Uh, sure. Uh, let's see. Um, I, I grew up in a, a Russian cave raised by <laughs> bears in Siberia. Uh, I, I lived as uh, Vladimir Putin's servant boy for about 12 years. And then he gave me a TV show. So, yeah. Uh, no, I, yeah, so I'm, I, I was born in Washington, D.C. at Walter Reed Army Hospital. My dad is a military doctor. Uh, I then, at the age of eight, we moved to Richmond, Virginia. Uh, my dad wasn't eight at the time. I was eight. And, uh, and I, so I grew up there the rest of the time. And then after college in Charlottesville, I went to New York City to become a stand-up comedian. And uh, my, I, I wasn't really political at the time. I wasn't like fully apolitical. It wasn't like I didn't care what was happening on the, on the TV, but uh, my comedy was not political. And I just wanted to be a stand-up comedian. I started writing comedy when I was like 12. And I, I really just wanted to uh, make people laugh. That was like the, the, the full goal. That was the entirety of it. Uh, you know, so I was writing Seinfeld style jokes about how the, the, the candy bar wouldn't fall out of the vending machine. And uh, then eventually that slowly morphed into, uh, you know, why is one candy bar being exploited while the others get to enjoy the success the, the spoils of that candy bars labor you know we should stick together like three musketeers and uh, fight back um no it, yeah it did it slowly morphed i mean i i moved to new york city and it uh, i became more political i became uh, somewhat of an activist and then it, i just kind of felt that if i was given the 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 gift to have a stage to stand on uh, every night of the week. I mean, I really was performing every night of the week that I might as well talk about some real shit. Uh, it just seemed like uh, that that's what should be done when, because there's really very few art forms left in, in, in America, but maybe around much of the world where a performer gets on a stage and doesn't read a script, uh, just kind of speaks to the crowd. I mean, it's incredibly rare. And yeah. so I, I felt if I'm going to be doing that, that I should really start talking about some real shit. And uh, it, it slowly grew, you know, it wasn't like uh, one day I showed up with a beret on uh, channeling George Carlin. It, it just slowly uh, grew to more and more of my act until uh, it was all political. And, and by becoming more political and more, more cultural commentary and everything else uh, that meant that the colleges, which I was performing at colleges was uh, 
they were my main income, it meant that they all dried up because they, while the kids in the audience were fine with hearing uh, political commentary, the bookers, you know, the people at the activities boards were, did, did not want to book uh, political comedians because they thought they might offend somebody. So uh, all, all that work dried up. I, I was still performing in New York uh, City every night of the week, but you know, they, 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 play a, they, they pay us slave wages if you're performing in New York City, you get about $25 a spot. Wow. So yeah, it's it actually, wow. the, the, it, it's an interesting story. Comedians unionized or tried to unionize back in the seventies and there was a big fight. Most of it happened in Los Angeles, a big fight over uh, starting a comedian union and demanding more money for a, at that time, a lot of them were performing for free in LA and New York. Um, they wanted to get paid something and uh, it, it ended with them winning at, uh, $25 a spot and, and more on weekends. Um, and it also ended with one of the comedians killing himself, uh, jumping off the uh, hotel next to the uh, comics and uh, to, next to the comedy store and uh, dying in the parking lot. And, uh, but yeah, so they, they won $25 a spot and it's been the same ever since the seventies. Not adjusted for inflation, Lee? No. <laughs> yeah, not, not adjusted at all. The comedian union didn't last. And so now the comedians are back to having very little power. But anyway, uh, it, it, you know, I had, I, I, I was very committed and am still committed to talking about real shit on stage and in my shows and everything. But I had kind of given up the idea of being on TV much because they didn't want that. I mean, late night shows are not going to book, you know, they might book somebody who's already well-known. So like Lewis Black or Jon Stewart or something, but they're not going to book a, a lesser comedian uh, in terms of name recognition to talk about real shit. It just doesn't happen anymore. And so I had really kind of given it up. And then I, I got lucky and I, I ended up on one of the very few channels in America where you can go against the corporate talking points and uh, go against endless war and not be fired. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be nice just to be able to, to have free speech without being fired. Um, yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because my favorite comedian of all time is George Carlin. And um, I got introduced to politics through The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. So mm -hmm. I've always had a soft spot, not only for comedy, but for comedy that is commentary on how fucked up the world is. Um, yeah. And so for me, you know, so for me, like the last four years have been very transformational because I was born in Cuba. And oh. so um, the first time that I was able to vote was in 2016 because I became a citizen in 2015. Nice. And so, yeah, it was really exciting for me. And of course I went Bernie. Um, and the thing is before that, I had not even heard the word progressive. Like I didn't know what it meant. I didn't, so it was like a whole new world opened up to me and I started learning about, you know, different shows. And so I just feel like, especially the last two years, I feel like I've been on this super cool journey of discovering all of these people that have cool. all that are, that are fighting for all of these things that I'm fighting for too. And so many of them are comedians. And that's kind of exciting to me because you guys are some of, some of the few people that don't care about the consequences and you just go out there and you say what's what, and you don't care if people don't like it. And I think that takes a lot of bravery. 
Well, for, first of all, thank you. But yeah, I mean, it it's both incredibly exciting how important certain comedians have become, but also it, it's kind of like scary in the sense of like, why the fuck is it comedians that have to tell the truth? Like where, where are the real journalists and stuff? And obviously there are some out there, but not nearly enough and none on mainstream media for obvious reasons. Um, and I just, I, I honestly still find it kind of bizarre. It's like, I came up in New York when nobody, nobody knew our names and I was good friends and on all the same shows as Katie Halper. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I knew Jimmy Dore well, and, uh, you know, well before he was getting any YouTube views and, and I wasn't getting any YouTube views and, and, uh, you know, he was a little bit ahead of me in, in terms of comedic generation, but for the most part, uh, very similar. And, and it's like, and, and then, you know, also there's other things like Bill Cosby was brought down by another guy I used to hang out with at the comedy clubs. Hannibal Burris was another comedian that, that basically, uh, got everyone talking about the horrors that Cosby's responsible for. And so it, it's like, why is it comedians that have to reveal the truth about our world? It's like crazy. We are in this weird time. It's really weirdly because I look around and I see people making excuses left and right for politicians and demanding nothing of them and going, it is rude to ask for something in return for your <laughs> vote. But yet, yeah, exactly what you're saying with so it's like, how did it, how did it get left up to comedians to tell people the truth? And then people get mad, mad at them. Not, not at the people who are actually fucking us, but at, at the comedians who are just the messenger. It's like kill the messenger. Yeah, I mean, there's a definite, a definite sense of kill the messenger. I mean, just like a Julian Assange. Um, oh yes. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it has a lot to do with how our systems are set up. Uh, you know, our, our mainstream media systems. Which, uh, if you leave college and you want to become a journalist and you haven't been indoctrinated enough in college as to what is basically uh, the appropriate kind of corporate talking points, as long as you're within that span. Uh, if you haven't yet, then you aren't gonna last long at these networks. You, your career at a bigger uh, entity is not going to last pretty long. It's probably not gonna last at local news. I mean, if you go into local news talking about how we need to end war and how America drops a bomb every 12 minutes, uh, even local news is probably gonna be like, yeah, that's, that's a bit much for us, have a good day. So there really is kind of a many walls and gatekeeping that is set up so that these people can't get to that point. Um, and so in the journalist realm, you're, you're seeing that the, the really impressive journalism is being done independently by the gray zone or mint press or, uh, you know, other outlets, popular resistance. There's a few, but not many, uh, because they aren't allowed on, on these, these mainstream channels. And for the comedians that are covering the, you know, real shit and not just doing the kind of, isn't Trump funny kind of <laughs> garbage that you see on late night TV. Yeah. Uh, really? We also, we also had to accept that we were never going to have uh, a chance at the traditional comedic success. I mean, I, and I'm fine with it, but I, I knew that once I, I mean, at least I knew as I started to do it, that once I started getting into this, uh, and really talk, you know, ending war, talking about the corporate state, talking about our empire, talking about uh, systemic racism, et cetera, et cetera, talking about capitalism. Once I started doing those things, 
I'm not going to be on those late night shows. I'm not all the things that a comedian dreamed of doing when he, you know, he or she is young are all those venues are, are closed. They're, they're, they're over. But luckily we came up in a time where you could, uh, you know, get success on YouTube, which is what I did uh, before I got on RT. And, and uh, you know, Jimmy Dore is successful on YouTube and Graham Elwood and, and Ron Placone. But now we're seeing, obviously, that's they're trying to shut that down because it unfortunately has resulted in many uh, well-known shows or well-known personalities who aren't going by the, the what's a corporate allowable America. Yeah, that's that's so true. And, and I want to get into with you uh, what happened with uh, government secrets with you and Graham. But before we get into that, I wanted to ask you about Redacted Tonight. What is your vision for that show? What is what is the purpose of it? What is it that you're, and by the way, you have some great, great segments. Um, I am subscribed and I watch them because I love the way that you explain things. Thanks. Um, and so so what what are you trying to get across to the American people with Redacted Tonight? What's its purpose? Well, I'd say purpose one, which is in the name, is to uh, go at the, the, you know, reveal the stories that either aren't being revealed at all almost or are being covered completely wrong. Uh, you know, the, the segment I did uh, this week, one of the longer segments was on the CBS report saying the largest war crimes committed in the 21st century are, are all done by Assad in Syria. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. You seem to have forgotten the million people we killed in Iraq or the hundreds of thousands in Afghanistan or the, the you know, fa the famine and cholera outbreak in Yemen, the basically genocide in Yemen we've supported. Like, you just go down the list and you're like, no, only Assad has committed war crimes. So it's about revealing the other side of these this corporate propaganda. Uh, but then beyond just that, I think I try pretty hard to get at the deeper part of the issue rather than just covering the surface stuff. Cause there can be people that I agree with every word they're saying, but they're never really getting at the heart of it. They're never really talking about capitalism. They're never really talking about how our systems are setting up and how they're all collapsing because our environment can't sustain mm -hmm. in a consumerist capitalist world. Uh, so you know, I, I think if you aren't getting at those really deeper issues, you know, systemic racism and stuff like that, then um, you, it, it, it's not that, the, you know, they're necessarily doing, you know, saying anything incorrect. It's just there's a there's a deeper truth there. Yeah, th that's so well said, because I feel like one of the one of the biggest issues that we've got in the country right now is a lack of information and misinformation. Um, and you see this because people don't even understand the meaning of the words that they hate, because you'll see things like, oh, we hate socialism, when they don't realize that all of the institutions that they love the most, like the police and the military, are socialist institutions. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's so much to educate people on, and it's so important to have independent media that's willing to do that, because if you, I have not watched, you know, any mainstream media in so long. And I remember when I did watch it, no, somehow suspiciously, none of the stories that you guys break broke with them. Like they would not actually inform us. It was like hours of look at Trump's orange face and stupid hair and nothing of substance. So, you know, one of the things that I think is most important is independent media and independent news. 
And so now I want to jump into all the censorship that we've been seeing. So I remember when, you know, that the, let's censor Alex Jones. And then when Trump got censored on Twitter, I remember all these lefties cheering. Yeah, fuck yeah, get him off. And I was like, dude, first of all, you should be against censorship just on principle alone. Because as Chomsky said, anybody can be for freedom of speech with things that they agree with. Right. The whole point of believing in freedom of speech is for believing that someone has the right to say something that you don't agree with. And so I told everybody like censorship is all fun and games until it comes for us. And I was not happy when Trump got censored and when he got banned from Twitter because I knew we were coming next. And so there was this huge wave and it continues to happen. Even shows on the left that I don't like got censored and I was still like, okay, we need to do something to uncensor these shows because this isn't right. Like, so I want I want you to tell us a little bit about, obviously we've heard about what happened with status coup, Jordan Sheridan. It was outrageous that they didn't let him use the footage, but CNN was able to use it. And so there's been so much demonetizing and taking videos down and censorship going on. So could you share the story of what happened with, first of all, tell people what is government secrets in case they don't know and what happened with your show um, what happened with it in YouTube? Well, uh, so Government Secrets is a podcast, and and we put it on YouTube as well. But it's it's a podcast with Graham Elwood, where every week we go over just uh, historical uh, uh, happenings, doings by our government uh, that they would prefer we're not talking about. Um, I'll I'll come back to Government Secrets in a second to just go back even further. Uh, I've seen this impressive level of suppression and censorship for at least five to six years. Mm. Um, my Facebook used to be one of my main platforms. Uh, the, face, the Facebook page is Lee Camp Comedian. I was gaining uh, roughly 5,000, sometimes as much as 9,000 followers a week. Uh, right. And it was at about 335,000 followers and steadily increasing. And then basically the, the moment the 2016 election happened uh, and, and Trump won. And by the way, I said worse things about Trump than just about anybody. So, you know, the, the, the garbage that I somehow uh, wanted Trump to win was ridiculous. I was trashing both sides uh, <laughs> because they are both, uh, you know, garbage. <laughs> Pro, yeah, pro-war corporate garbage. So I was trying to go that. But anyway, uh, that didn't matter. Uh, what mattered, and and I, you know, I basically supported Bernie Sanders' ideas, and and so that is really my crime. Um, but uh, the moment the 2016 election happened, it, it, my everything just like crashed. I mean, they didn't delete my page or anything, but I went from gaining uh, 5,000 a week to gaining basically no one. Whatever I would gain would be deleted uh, by them unsubscribing people from the page. And the page would just slowly trickle down. Uh, you know, a few, uh, few hundred a week would be lost and I would never gain again. And I never have gained again. Uh, it, it is, it is basically just, and, and on top of that, they're not showing a lot of the posts to people. So, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's still active, but it's a shell of what it once was. And this then started happening on YouTube as well to the redacted tonight channel. And then the, uh, and then I have a separate channel called moment of clarity, same shit happening. And, and people would, I would sometimes tweet out, you know, check and see if you're still subscribed to my YouTube channel. And people would say, 
oh my God, you're right. I'm unsubscribed. Like they just unsubscribe people oh, to yeah. just limit your numbers without even telling those people. Uh, it's, it's truly incredible. And, and so when the Alex Jones thing happened, I, yeah, I made videos about it. I said, look, I despise Alex Jones. I've trashed him on many occasions. However, this is the beginning. This is a test balloon before they come after the left. And uh, sure enough, I was exactly right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was, I don't know, it was two years ago now or something, year and a half, that they deleted something like 800 pages on Facebook, like Free Thought Project, Police the Police, Antimedia, Antiwar.com. They deleted them on Facebook and simultaneously banned the editors on Twitter, meaning there was a, 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 a conspiracy between Twitter and Facebook. They were talking to each other, talking about who needed to be banned on the pages simultaneously. And it, it was such a like, Jesus, this is above and beyond what I thought they would do. And, you know, like you're saying, people, the, the, the liberals, the, the squishy liberals uh, and anybody in the middle, moderate, you know, Republicans, I guess, as well, we're just cheering this on. It's great. You know, who cares about suppressed media? Who cares that police the police, which just revealed police brutality, uh, you know, doesn't exist anymore. And, uh, and it was, it's, you know, I, I've been screaming from the hills ever since, but it wasn't really till Trump got deleted that people have started to, to care. Uh, and it is just an immense amount of suppression and censorship. So in, in terms of uh, government secrets, it actually isn't, uh, so Government Secrets doesn't have its own page. It, it, it live streams to Graham's uh, YouTube page. Mm -hmm. And then I put it up later on my YouTube as well. But Graham's entire career, especially during the pandemic, because he's also a stand-up comic, but you can't perform, his entire career is YouTube and YouTube dollars and, and ad dollars and stuff. And they just demonetized him completely. Uh, and it was during our like three part series on the JFK assassination. Yes, which I watched and it was great. <laughs> Thank you. I don't but, understand. I, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 I, that's it. I don't understand why they censored you. <laughs> well, yeah. And uh, you know, it very well could have been other things Graham was talking about as well. He did a lot of uh, videos on Epstein uh, mm -hmm. that I'm sure they didn't like, but yeah, so he's completely demonetized and he switched over to Rockfin, uh, but it it is really, it's disheartening and infuriating. And, and, you know, it's not like, if you go back to the beginning of the internet, you had a bunch of like bright-eyed young creators who really thought they were creating an information revolution. And they did for a while. And now the, the corporate state has realized how dangerous it is. A combination of WikiLeaks and Occupy and Black Lives Matter. And it, it, those things have, and, and Donald Trump as well, have shown them that getting information out there is uh, a very scary prospect to them. I mean, they don't want more Bernie Sanders popping up. And so they are just completely shutting all of this down. It's, it's amazing to see. Yeah, it, it's funny that we're, I mean, obviously we're talking about this, but just two days ago, um, I had Taylor Hudak on the show, who I'm, I think you know, she's the media director for Panquake, mm -hmm. and um, she's also a journalist and she's been covering Assange, so we talked about whistleblowers and all that, and you know, I'm personally really excited for options like Panquake, because yeah. first of all, I left Facebook years ago when I found out they were <laughs> selling my data and when I realized, oh, I am the product, 
Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I stayed on Instagram for a while, even though I barely used it. I stayed on because I felt like, oh, I have to have this too. But eventually I got sick. I was like, no, well, I don't you, you, you didn't want to let the cats down. You know, they get disappointed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was like, but honestly, Instagram is one of my least favorite social media platforms because their um, ad style is so aggressive. Mm-hmm. It is over the, like every two posts, it's an ad. And I got so sick of it. I got rid of it. And it's like, now I'm just on Twitter and Twitch and YouTube. And it's like, you know, I'm excited for Panquake because I want an option that doesn't have ads. I've been unfollowed from people. What you were talking about, about, you know, having your followers being unfollowed from you. That mm-hmm. is a hundred percent true because I have been following a channel and been unfollowed from it. And it's like, no. I didn't unfollow these people. So we're seeing so much in the way of, of censorship in these big tech platforms. So um, can you tell us a little bit about why you support Panquake? Because I, I do know that you were part of um, their kind of inauguration, here we are uh, show, and, and, and you were there speaking to support them. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're not, uh, unlike kind of a lot of these rollouts of products or, or tech products or whatever, uh, social media platforms, uh, I'm, I'm, and none of their speakers, including me, are getting paid in any way. Mm-hmm. We've just been asked, you know, whether something like this is something we'd support. And Panquake, which, by the way, has now had all of their Twitter accounts uh, banned, I saw uh, <laughs> because they represent a threat to Twitter. Uh, they they haven't been. Panquake has not come out yet. It's still in the it's still in the creation stage. But uh, you know it has amazing minds behind it, like Bill Benny, the NSA whistleblower. And uh, there there's really several things that are important to me. But you mentioned the ads. The fact that they are not uh, you know there's no ads and they are not uh, enriching themselves with ad dollars is very important because. At the end of the day, the ads, the corporations that fund the ads of ad funded uh, networks or social media platforms, they will have the ultimate say mm-hmm. and they will decide uh, what, what's going to happen on any platform uh, at the end of the day. That doesn't mean that, you know, every little comment about McDonald's is going to be deleted on Twitter, but it means in a larger sense that they are going to decide what, what is okay with them and what's not. And Panquake won't have the, those corporate masters like that. Uh, you, you, you know, they say that you're going to, it's ultimately going to be, you pay $5 a month. And the reason you're paying and it's not free is because you're not the product anymore. You're a consumer of this product rather than being the product. The reason Facebook and Twitter and YouTube are free is because you are the product. Um, and it's, so, so in that way, it's very powerful. Uh, another thing is that it's open source and blockchain so that, uh, you know, they, they can't, uh, just shut things down. They obviously can delete things like child porn or whatever, but anything that's deleted, uh, would have a very clear timestamp and information about, uh, why it was deleted, what it involved, like, which is very different than Twitter or these others where they'll delete or suppress things. And you have no idea why you have no way to complain. Uh, it is all done in the dark by basically tech oligarchs who get to decide what is acceptable information and what's not. Uh, so in that way, Panquake is, is, will be very different from these other platforms. Yeah, I think that's so important. And it's like, you know, I I was talking with Taylor that social media is already stressful enough. I don't need on top of that, 
to have you. And you know, I think over the last couple of decades, this culture slowly built of we wanted everything for free. Um, and, and tech was growing so quickly that we didn't quite have a grasp on what that would mean and the consequences of that. And I think that now a new culture is starting to emerge where we're slowly starting to realize, oh my God, our privacy matters. <laughs> and right. I do see a slowly a shift towards, you know, understanding that, like you said, if it's free, you are the product and kind of moving away from that. I don't care what they do with my data. I just want the free thing. I do feel that we're moving away from that. And that is very good because we, this is not sustainable long-term. I mean, we're being totally exploited. And one of the things that I do agree with is a data dividend. Like if they're gonna make money off of our data, we should get a cut of that. And right. we should have a say in whether they're able to or not. So I think there's a lot of progress to be made there and I'm excited for Panquake. So one of the last things I wanted to ask you about today, Lee, was um, you spoke last year at uh, the People's Convention along with so many amazing speakers, Dr. Cornell West, uh, Jesse Ventura, Nina Turner, um, Christian Smalls. And these are all people that believe that it is time for options in America. And it's time for us to have a major new party. Uh, and so I wanted to ask you a little bit about, well, first of all, we've seen the polls that a majority of Americans now feel that it's time for a third party, right? A new party mm -hmm. to emerge. And so I wanted to ask you about why do you feel that now is the time to do this? And, and what do we need from a new party that isn't being given to us right now by the Democratic and Republican establishments? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we desperately need a party that is not beholden to corporate America. Corporate America runs things. They own these Congress people, even the people that people that that voters consider progressive going in uh, often end up captured by the corporate state. Uh, people like, uh, you know, AOC and a lot of her behaviors recently uh, and uh I can't remember her first name, but cinema, uh, you know, when she showed up, she was supposedly going to help the people and help the poor and all this, you know, garbage that it turned out to be garbage lies. And uh, she now is the one who danced up and gave a big thumbs down to $15 minimum wage because she's very proud to be uh, screwing over poor people. Uh, but that's what happens in our Congress, unless these people are not, these politicians are not accountable to corporate America. And that means not taking corporate money, not taking large donors. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's, that's why I think movement for a people's party is important. And, uh, you know, I, I've also done many things supporting the green party. I, th I think we need these, these, anti-corporate, largely anti-capitalist parties mm -hmm. that uh, are, are standing up for the people and the workers rather than the, the oligarchs and the moneyed, moneyed interests. And uh, it, it, you know, I, I think what MPP's done so far in just a few years is, is very important. They've, they've shown that there's a hunger for this. And, uh, you know, the, you see the attacks and, you know, I, I'm, I, I talked to Nick Brana about this and, and others, you see the attacks coming against MPP, but that should be expected. Like if you are going against the largest, most powerful corporate 
parties, and it really is one party, corporate party that largely runs the world, largely owns the <laughs> owns the world. Uh, they're not going to just let you show up and say, hey, we're doing something better. Vote for us. They're going to throw fucking everything at you. And I think they're starting kind of light with these attacks because they, you know, aren't sure how bad the threat is. But the the more important People's Party gets and the more people it, it, it gains, uh, supporters, uh, we're going to see more of this trash, you know, sewer dumpster fire attacks uh, claiming all kinds of shit, claiming that they're stealing money, claiming that they're racist, anything they can throw at them. And, you know, I, I know it's all garbage, but uh, it should be expected because this, this shit will be funded by the DNC to have these claims against anything that threatens their power. Yeah. And you know, that's one of the things that I'm really happy about that we're, that the people's party is working on is, is, you know, there's all of these uh, strikes and all of these marches and all these actions that they're supporting, like they support uh -huh. the workers, you know, um, and you know, there, there's a lot of votes being taken within the party. So for example, all of the party members, um, got the opportunity to vote on the advisory council and it, it passed overwhelmingly by like 94 percent mm. so there's there's so much positive stuff and you can see the energy that people are ready for this they are ready for change and i personally don't think it should stop with the people's party i am a proponent for having multiple parties mm -hmm. because this isn't normal what we have here in most countries they have a bunch of parties that way people have options and that yeah. way they can't tell you, oh, well, you have to vote for me because the other guy's worse and I'm your only other option, which is bullshit. So yeah, yeah, that's the that's the biggest thing the Democrats have going is uh, what, what are you going to do? You're going to put a Republican in office. So therefore, vote for us and we'll do all of the things the Republicans were doing in the 80s. But we are not as bad as, uh, you know, the the full full frontal racism of the Republicans. <laughs> Yeah, and I could not bring myself this last election to vote for Republican or Democrat. I voted green. I voted no, green. No, yeah, I, I didn't. I mean, because think about it. It's like, it's like you, oh, you want you want to stop the racism of Donald Trump. Well, okay, so vote for the guy who has locked up more black people yeah. than perhaps anyone ever. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's total that nonsensical. Like That makes sense. That sounds good to me. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. it's just ridiculous um so this has been so great lee thank you so much for being here today um i want to hand the floor over to you any last thoughts that you want to share with the audience and tell them how they can find you and how they can find your show my last thoughts are that now is the time. Now is the time for third parties. Now is the time for mutual aid. Now is the time for workers to unite. Now is the time for us to look past our differences and fight back against the, 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 the profitable exploitation of the goons and the goblins and the vipers and the parasites that run this fucking system. And, mm -hmm. you know, now is the time. We don't have, we used to have, I mean, before I was alive, but we, we used to have, kind of this like, well, we can change it and it'll take a generation, but we'll do it. Uh, you could have that kind of optimism. Nowadays, we are facing environmental collapse, uh, climate, not just climate change, which is, which is the biggest thing, but uh, in terms of, you know, the plastics in the ocean, the plastics in the air, the, the wildlife dying off, we're facing environmental extinction and so now it's not that you can't do it over a generation. We got to do it in the next 
five and 10 years. Like now is the time. And I hope that, you know, throughout this pandemic, maybe some people saw that reevaluated their lives and realized, you know, doing the 90% of the jobs we do are not important, are not really that important. And we need to shift our, our goals in life to creating an equitable and fair society that makes sustainability, uh, you know, the top of the, of the goals of the system, rather than just how much can I own? How much can I buy? How much can I amass? How much can I get for myself? Uh, at the end of the day, that will be cold comfort as we, you know, no longer have a livable planet. So, uh, yeah, my, I guess my last my last line is uh, that now is the time. Mm -hmm. And in terms of where my my stuff is, it's all at LeeCamp.com. There's a lot of other places to go, but that's probably the easiest thing to remember. Uh, I've, I have a YouTube page. I have three podcasts people can check out. Moment of Clarity, Government Secrets and Common Censored. Uh, and of course I have the TV show, which, uh, you can get at youtube.com slash redacted tonight. Awesome. Lee, thank you so, so much for making the time to be on today. I know you're a busy guy. Um, I hope to have you on again soon. You, uh, you're always welcome here. Thank you for standing for force the vote. Thank you for, you know, fighting for Americans. I really appreciate everything you're doing and you're making us laugh while you do it. So that's the extra cherry on top. Thanks um, so much. Don't, yeah, don't, don't stop. Keep going. Thank you. Everybody. This has been the latest episode of the Annalise show. I am your host, Annalise Garcia. Today we spoke with Lee Camp about censorship. Don't forget to like and share this video and hit the subscribe button. It's totally free and the best way to help the show grow. We will see you guys again next time.